right, so uh, today we're going to be looking at the most popular prayer in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. You've probably heard about the prayer of Jabez before, the prayer of Jabez. There was a popular book that came out, uh, I don't know when, a number of years ago. Um, how many years ago? 10 years? 15 years? Something like that. I think that sort of popular, popularized this prayer in the mainstream culture. The people who weren't believers or Christians who had never picked up a Bible, who were picking up that book, uh, trying to look for ways to get blessings from God. And, uh, and so uh, today we're going we're gonna to take a moment and actually work through uh, this prayer together and uh, see, see what does it actually teach? What is the prayer of Jabez, Jabez all about? All right, so uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, if you were there, uh, I, I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna read the first eight verses. I want you to just glance at them. Uh, we have a, a genealogy here, right? So we have a genealogy here listed, and so uh, lots of uh, lots of sons and lots of brothers and different people's fathers and all of these things are listed out in the first eight verses, and then we come to verse nine. And uh, if you would follow along with me as I read verse nine and ten aloud, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him in sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, and that it may not grieve me. And God grant him, God granted him that which he requested. All right, so we have this prayer before us today that we're going to look at uh, from Jabez. But one of the first things we have to consider is, is who is this Jabez? Where did he come from? There's not a whole lot that we know, but uh, let's look to learn prayer as we get started. Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for this one who lifted up his voice to you, crying out to his God. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us from the example that's before us. Father, help us to glean from this those insights which are true, which are valuable and profitable. And Father, help us to interpret it properly. Lord, we ask that you would teach us the ways to make requests in such a way that it is honoring to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so who, that's the question before us. Who is Jabez? And uh, the very simple answer to that, we, we don't know. <laughs> we we don't know a great deal about him. There's very little that we know. Um, you know, I, I had you look at these first eight voice, verses of uh, First Chronicles 4 here and just glance through it. Uh, and there's kind of a genealogy, but look at the end of verse 8, right? And, and Cause begat Anob and, and Zobabah uh, and the families of Aharhel, the son of Haram. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. <laughs> well, okay, so, so we have all of these folks up here above. And then Jabez is mentioned. Well, perhaps he is one of these um, brothers of the, of the families of Aharal, the son of Haram. But there's not a very clear connection in the text. And uh, if God had wanted us to know more than that, he'd have provided it for us. But uh, we, we do know that there, he does have brothers, and uh, he's more honorable than they are. And so uh, likely he's part of that family, but it, it's not uh, particularly clear. Um, so... That's all we know from the family side. We know a little bit about his reputation. We just looked at that in verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Okay, so that's something about him. 
Honorable is good, but what does honorable mean? What does that mean to say that somebody is more honorable than his brethren? Well, there's a couple ways that 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 word is used in Scripture to describe what's going on in people. Sometimes it 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 always refers to somebody who is uh, has something or has a particular value. Sometimes that's a material thing. Someone can be more honorable than someone else because they have more money or they have more things than somebody else. Somebody can be more honorable than somebody else because it's more of an immaterial thing. They have more dignity or or respect. They have uh, a position maybe of status. And so they, they are considered that. So in both cases, right, whether it's because of money or status, uh, it means that they are receiving praise and honor from other people. And so when it says Jabez was, was more honorable than his brethren, that's not really a moral qualification. Uh, that's not saying that somehow Jabez was more right with the Lord than, than his brethren, although I think that's implied from the text. Uh, what it is, however, saying is that he had more, <laughs> right? And, and whether that is a greater position or greater status or, or whether that is greater wealth, uh, whatever that is, he had more than what his brothers had. And so, uh, so w- when we're talking about this, it, it, we, we don't know that it's necessarily virtue. So here, here's the idea. Verse 9, we have Jabez. He's more honorable than his brethren. Verse 10, he makes a prayer to God asking him for particular things, right? And asks him for an enlargement of land and blessing and, and all of those things. Um, it is likely although we don't know for sure, that nine verse 9 is actually presenting to us what Jabez acquires and attains, and verse 10 is showing us how he got there. Right? In other words, we can think about it this way. Verse 9, Jabez is, is more honorable than his brethren. He's attained this status, this position, but how did it happen? Verse 10 tells us how it happened. Verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel. And uh, we will we'll go into that more, but, um, but that provides for us the way in which it came about. Now, the only other thing that we really know about Jabez is how he got his name. Verse 9, right? His mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. And so uh, he's got that term there, Jabez, and um, that's, that's what it means, right? That term sorrow is, is grief or pain. Um, often it can refer to a difficult labor process. And so most likely, uh, he was uh, conceived in a very difficult birth. And, uh, you know, this context is, is childbirth. Uh, that's, that's what's being described there. Um, so his, his mother gives him that name, and it's probably unusually traumatic. <laughs> Somewhat I, I was reading all this, that... Either that or it was her first child, <laughs> one or the other. But, uh, but, but, but it was probably unusually uh, traumatic. Remember, this is the day before epidurals and all of those other good things that help out. Now, now some people have thrown other applications on this and, and come up with different things and said, well, there was something wrong with, with Jabez or there was a problem or, or, or different things like that. Or maybe there was, there was some uh, um, uh, financial difficulties that came about as a result of his birth or we, we don't have anything that suggests that in the text. Those are, are just guesses. The, the text very clearly seems to indicate, because I bear him with sorrow, that she had a toilsome childbirth, right? She had a difficult childbirth. 
And, um, and, and that is most likely what's going on there. So he gets the name Jabez. Right now, that, that ought to be an encouragement in a way, right? Uh, that was a, a difficult start, a rough start to life. But here is Jabez, who is more honorable than his brethren. Um, and it's common in the Old Testament that someone's given name has to do with either something that just occurred or perhaps a prophecy of what will happen in the future. And uh, pr- particularly, we can see the significance here of being born in sorrow um, with Jabez's actual birth. All right, so that's the background. That's, that's what's going on here, the background in, in terms of Jabez's life. And so we, we have before us today really this prayer in uh, verse 10. And verse 10 is, is the entirety of that prayer. Um, and, and this is probably, if we think about within the, the confines of Scripture, if, if you're going through your yearly Bible reading, right, and, and you make it to First Chronicles chapter 4, and, and you start reading the beginning of it. These are the sons of Judah, Pharaoh, Hezron. <laughs> and you're going through the genealogy, right? Because frankly, in terms of the yearly Bible reading, usually the genealogy is kind of where you lose a lot of people, right? That's where they drop off. Because you start reading all these names and, and uh, you know, it, I don't know if uh, any of you like genealogy things. Any of you like that? I think Rick likes that. Yeah. Uh, Rick, have you ever done like your family tree? Yeah. your family. Is that interesting? Yeah. How, how interested would you be if I gave you my family tree? <laughs> yeah, not, not nearly as much, right? Not nearly as much. Uh, you know, not nearly as much. I mean, you know, it's one thing to research your own family or, or research something, uh, maybe a family that you're interested in. Uh, but it's a whole another thing just to, to read a genealogy out of the blue. And remember, in the context where we're at here, First uh, Chronicles is really writ- written to uh, the remnant who has returned after captivity to Jerusalem. And so that's, that's kind of the, the context here. Uh, we ha- do have this list of people, and so a lot of this is recording uh, folks who were related to that, that remnant, right? That remnant who returned. And so to, to record that down, to, to include those lineages uh, long into the future, especially after a long period of captivity, this would have been important uh, in that day for that reason, for that, that purpose. And so in the midst of, of all of these generations, in the midst of, of, of this genealogy, uh, the family tree, so to speak, um, we have this prayer that just kind of pops off the page uh, here in verse 10. And so uh, this is an important prayer to, to study and look at, and there are things that we can, can learn fr- uh, from this. Um, so let's, let's consider. There really are two main uh, portions to this, to this prayer that we can, we can uh, we, we could even describe it as, as three maybe, but let's, let's walk through these portions together. All right, so verse 10. Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, First, all that thou would bless me indeed... It goes on and enlarge my coast, right? Enlarge my border. Those those two parts there are mentioned. So a blessing, and in particularly an enlargement of border. Now, one of the interesting things about this prayer is is the way in which it begins, right? Jabez talks to God. He calls on the God of Israel, and he says, "Oh, that Thou would bless me," right? Now, that very first part, "Oh, that Thou would." Now, there, there's a couple things to, to think about there. We, we can almost just kind of glance through it and, and miss it. 
First is, this actually is a request, right? It's not a demand. God, if you would do this, right? If you would be, God, if you would do this. Uh, some have even thrown this in the vow category. You know, sometimes we would make vows like, uh, you know, if you would do this for me, then I will do that for you, right? Right? If you, if, you, if you would give me this, then I will give you so-and-so or, you know, whatever it is. We make these vows. Uh, well, this is a vow without a second, secondary part, right? It's, it's just a, a request. God, if you would, oh, that you would, bless me. And so he, he, is, he is asking God for his help and assistance. Now, that, that ought to encourage us uh, in, in that Jabez here understood that he needed God's help. Uh, so, so often today, we, we are in a society in which we are so self-focused and and so interested in what we think and what we want and what we can do and what we can accomplish that we, we don't pause to, to actually think we can't, <laughs> right? And, and that is the simple reality. Now, all of those things that we're told that, that, that we need to be able to do, be, be self-reliant, be, be uh, you know, handle things yourself, deal with things yourself, all the, we can't. <laughs> We can't do it. And Jabez understood that. Right? And so from the very beginning, God, oh, oh, that thou, uh, oh, that you would. Oh, that you would. What's he doing? He's, he's asking God for something because he can't do it on his own. Uh, he is not presuming upon God. He is not taking God for granted. He's saying, God, if you would do this, please. <laughs> and uh, that's a wonderful start. You know, that's a wonderful start when approaching our Heavenly Father. Uh, it, there is no self-dependence on Jabez's part here. And, and there is no presumption that God has to do what he asks. Both of those are not in this prayer. It's just a simple request. Now, let's consider what he's actually saying. Right? He, he goes on here in verse 10 and says... Oh, that thou would bless me indeed. Now, when we get to that part, there are some commentators who have gone so far to say, boy, his request, asking God something like this, that, that is just, you know, almost like, like a terrible thing. How dare he do that? Right? That, that just seems so selfish. He's asking God to, to bless him indeed. That, that seems so self-centered. And yet... This is the one who is actually going to God. What is more self-centered? Not going to God? <laughs> or going to God as the source of your blessing? I, I think they have totally missed the reality of what's going on here. Right? He, he is going to God and, and asking him for blessing. And, and you think about, think about that. Just, just We are so quick to, to get into this regular routine or somehow thinking that we can do it or accomplish it. Or, you know... It's what I do every day. You know, we, we shouldn't want to do anything every day without asking for God's help to get through and, and, and whatever it is that we're, we're bringing or going about doing. So as we, we think about this, one of the things we need to be clear about is that often today when we think about blessing, we automatically think of worldly success. Right? Oh, that thou would bless me indeed. God's blessing is not the same as worldly success. Those two are not equivalent. Now, 
It's not to say that you can't achieve success or financial wealth or anything like that under God's blessing. But it doesn't have to be that, right? God can bless you and you can still be poor. God can bless you and and you can still have a a difficult boss at work. It, It doesn't mean that God's blessing is going to take away all of the hardships or trials. And so as we think of this, one of the ways God could bless you is to give you more and more ministry opportunities. That might be the blessing that he provides. And so we, we need to be careful in assuming that the world's view of success is the equivalent of God's blessing. Jabez here is asking for God's blessing. And, and in particular, he's going to list a, a particular way in which he asks for that. And that's what comes up next, enlarge my coast. Now, what, what does that say? Uh, basically enlarge my borders, right? So, God, here, here is where our land area is. Can you make it bigger? Now, one commentator called that crude and selfish, to say make my land bigger. Now, there's certainly some different alternatives involved here. Remember, this is the time in which the remnant has returned to the land. One of the things that God had promised them was that they would increase in the promised land. In fact, he promised them victories over the Canaanites. And so as they go back to the promised land, and Jabez here is, is asking God, will you enlarge my borders? What is he asking? Well, he, he is making a request in which God has almost already made the promise. Um, it, it's, it's not difficult to see that. The other thing is that he is likely asking for the restoration of some of the wealth that his family had before captivity. You know, think of that. You go back. We just finished the genealogy. You go back before. uh, They were in the land. They were in the promised land. The Babylonian captivity comes. They were driven out of the land. They're back in the land. Lord, help us to enlarge our borders. Help us to get back to what we once were. And remember, the context and the promise on which God would allow them to stay in the land, to keep the land, and in fact to enlarge their borders, was on the basis of their faithfulness to him. So in that context, we we could say that in a way, Jabez here is asking for the restoration of the land uh, on the basis that, that, that they would remain faithful to God throughout that process. If we go back to the promise God gave during the, the Exodus period, as, as um, from Exodus 34:23, as God's children were going into the promised land, God said in, in, in Exodus 34:24, "For I will cast out the nations before thee and enlarge thy borders, neither shall any man desire thy hand when thou shalt go up to appear before the Lord thy God thrice in the year." All right, so what's going on there? God, there's a promise there that their borders will be enlarged. So when, when Jabez makes the prayer, God, enlarge, our, enlarge my borders. What's he praying? He's praying a promise of God. Now, a little bit scary to think that uh, some of their commentators are calling that crude and selfish. This was God's promise. And, and Jabez is simply here, here saying, God, you, you promised this. Would you do it? Would you do it? Would you carry this out for the good of your people? Father, would you, would you do this 
to establish a place for your people once again. Father, that they can grow and that they can prosper, that they can have greater, uh, greater influence on the surrounding areas. Another place in which we see this is in Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy 12, verse 20. Read this to you. When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border, as he has promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh, because thy soul longeth to eat flesh, thou mayest eat flesh, whatsoever thy soul desires. All right, so once again, promise of God. So here is Jabez going before God, bringing before him something that God has promised. You know, when we know God's word, and we make requests before God, knowing what he has promised to do, he is pleased. He is pleased. And even in that context, not only does Jabez already knows, okay, God has promised this land to his people. He, he knows that history. He knows that promise. And yet he still goes before God, not presuming upon it, but making a request. God, if you would do this, God, if it, if it please you, God, if, if this would be your will, same way that he puts it here in verse 10, all that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. What's the purpose behind this? What's the desire behind it? continues in verse 10, that thou, thine hand might be with me. Right? God, I need your presence. God, I need you there. This won't happen without you. God, I am dependent upon you. Would you demonstrate your presence and your power in my life? Would you provide and direct in the steps that I take? You know, they would have understood this during this time of Jabez's day. They would have understood this during their time under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah. They would have understood how essential it is to have God direct and lead. Jabez goes on, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, and it may not grieve me. Right? God, would you keep me from harm? And don't let it hurt me, right? May it not pain me. So we think about this context and this, what is suggested here. Jabez is probably talking about potential catastrophe, potential moral evil and sin. He's probably thinking about the Canaanites who don't love God, who are all around them who could seek to tempt his people and draw them back into that paganism that had been in their past when they lost the promised land. See, in, in this context of Jewish history, when the people are returning back to Israel, they're rebuilding Jerusalem, and God brings that remnant back. And they're living on just a small part of what God had originally promised them. That's a wonderful prayer. God, may we restore what you promised in the past. 
You know, if we think about this prayer, what, what has happened with this prayer is, is for some people it's almost become like a daily mantra, right? <laughs> they, uh, they get up and, and they, they will, will make this prayer, you know, Oh God, oh, that, well, thou wouldst bless me, enlarge my coast, that thy hand might be with me, and thou wouldst keep me from evil and not grieve me. Um, you know, it becomes almost like a, a daily mantra. And the thought process behind that all too often is not what this text is even about, right? Oh, that thou would bless me indeed. And somehow that becomes, God, give me worldly success. <laughs> God, give me a lot of money. That's not what Jabez was praying. That may be what you're praying, but that's not what Jabez was praying. Oh, God, enlarge my coast. God, I just want a lot of riches and land. <laughs> give that to me. That's not what Jabez was talking about. And yet, that's what people use this prayer as. <laughs> that thine hand might be with me. God, you just empower me and I'll take care of it, Lord. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean that, that's the kind of thinking that happens all too often today, right? Yeah, God, you just put your blessing on me and, and send me out into the world. I'll take care of this for you. <laughs> I mean, it is so far. It's almost the exact opposite of, of, of what, is, what is being said here. Lord, would you bless me? Lord, would you allow me to enlarge my borders? Because, God, you had, you had promised this. You promised this, that you would establish a land for your people where your name would be made known throughout the earth. And we got just a little bit, Lord. But would you enlarge the borders so that we could have greater and greater ministry influence for your name? Right, and that thy hand might be with me, why? because I need your help, God. This doesn't happen because I do it. This only works if you're there. This only works if you encourage it. This only works if you empower it. This only works if you bless it, God. We want to magnify your name. You see, that's the correct context. So, is it wrong to pray this prayer of Jabez? No, there's nothing wrong with praying that. In fact, there's much, uh, it's very good to pray it. <laughs> it's important to actually develop a habit of, of thinking through Scripture and even praying biblical and scriptural prayers, rightly interpreted. <laughs> and that's the key, right? The, the whole purpose behind praying it or praying this prayer daily is essential that you have the right understanding behind it. This prayer is not a magic genie can't go to God as though he's some sort of genie. Remember, even how Jabez started the prayer, right? It's based on if God would, if God will. It's based on his desire, not Jabez's. It depends on your purpose and your understanding of the prayer. If this is somehow a magic formula to bring success, as so many people have wrongly thought, even if you think it's a magic formula to bring about good things, spiritual success, where somehow you can just state it and it happens. Well, that's a lie. That's a falsehood. But if this prayer is one in which you take the ideas and the notions that God has made promises and that according to his will, he can answer and do and fulfill those promises, even in your own life, not presuming upon the need or the fact that somehow he has to or he's required to. 
This could be a wonderful example and a wonderful prayer. You know, isn't it wonderful to know that our God cares about what goes on in our lives today? And it's certainly not wrong to pray that God would give you greater influence. And if it be his will, to ask that he would empower you to be a better witness for him. To ask God to be with you, to encourage you, to use you. All of those things are within the heart and the content here of of Jabez's prayer. See, God's not our genie. He's our all-powerful, all-knowing God. And, And when we pray back his promises to him, asking for him to fulfill his great promises according to his will, God can do wonderful things, and he's well-pleased. So I do encourage you to use this prayer as even a model, perhaps. Think of the Lord's Prayer. And in fact, all of our prayers in Scripture can be used model, as appropriate models when interpreted correctly and, and, and understood in the proper context. And allow the Bible to impact your praying. Use this truth to to speak more clearly and appropriately with God because God's the one who acts. He is the powerful one. He is the almighty. He is the one who can do great things. Would you continue to turn to him more and more, day by day? And whether it's this prayer or variations of, of other prayers in Scripture, whether you look back to great prayers of folks from the past, turn to your God, praying appropriately and praying in light of what his word teaches, that he would be well pleased with our prayer lives. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the power of prayer. So grateful that you are a God who cares about the prayers of your people. Lord, we ask that you would help us to pray according to your will. Father, may we pray with power. May we pray with boldness. Father, may we pray knowing that we are approaching the God of heaven. So we may, may, may we pray in awe of who you are. Lord, we do ask that you would enlarge our borders, that you would increase our opportunities for ministry. Father, we we pray that you would bless us. Father, we pray that that would be according to your plan, according to your will. Father, we ask that as your people, we might be able to influence more and more people for your glory. Father, we ask that you would prepare us for that task. And we'd be learning even today things that help us be better servants of you. Father, wherever we go, we pray that you would be with us. Where you send us, Lord, help us to follow. And Father, we just ask that through it all, your name would be magnified more and more. Lord, because we know that even in prayer, it's not primarily about us, it's about you. Father, Help us to live our lives in light of that reality. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.